And if you do uh, your Christmas shopping like I do, uh, you probably know what it's like to get an email that reads something like this. Uh, Even on the internet, when you do your shopping that way, it can lead to some pretty anxious times when you leave things a little bit too too late. It can be a very anxious time of waiting. And so, I don't know, it's a bit fuzzy because I had to zoom in a lot on the uh, on the image to see that there, but I'm sorry, family, there might be a couple of IOUs under the Christmas tree today. <laughs> uh, Christmas is a time of waiting, uh, waiting for parcels to arrive, uh, waiting for family to arrive as they get stuck in traffic or as they turn around again and again to pick up the things that they left behind. We've been thinking this Christmas time about waiting, uh, waiting at Christmas. And we're going to be doing that again today. So we started last week at our carols uh, meeting a bloke called Simeon who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Today we're going to meet someone else who's also been waiting for Christmas. Uh, she's been waiting for the birth of God's promised king. Uh, and we're going to be seeing how good it is when the thing you've been waiting for has arrived. And I've just remembered that, once again, I've forgotten to mention that for uh, for the kids, there are some activity sheets on that table off on my left on your right. And if you want to grab uh, an activity pack, kids, go for your life. There's some great Christmas colouring ins there that I found somewhere on the internet. But we're going to be focusing on waiting, and there you go, once again, waiting for me to remember what's going on. Where we're picking things up today, it's 40 days after the birth of Jesus. 40 days after the angels appeared to the shepherds, after they were watching their flocks by night. So 40 days after that occurred, Joseph, Mary and Jesus have come to the temple in Jerusalem. They've come to offer a sacrifice as the Jewish Lord required. And since this is what the law said you had to do, I'm guessing there would have been quite a number of young families in the temple on that day presenting this type of offering. You've got it there, it's in that indented paragraph, offering a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Mary and Joseph would have looked like any other parents of any other newborn baby. Exhausted, overwhelmed, and full of joy. But although they were just part of the crowd, just like every other family there that day, as we heard last week, Simeon, and today we're going to meet this lady, uh, Anna, this elderly lady, they saw that there was something different. Now, we're not told much about Simeon, but with Anna, we're given an overview of her life in one sentence. Have a listen. It's also there printed in your bulletin in the the not indented paragraph. It says, uh, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So there you go, we get a little window into Anna's life. She'd been a widow for most of her life. Her husband died when she was, uh, when they'd only been married for seven years. Uh, we're not told if she had any children, 
But it sounds like she spent the rest of her life, after her husband passed away, she spent the rest of her life focused on God in a way that means she probably didn't have any other family. Anna had known significant grief. And she's also an incredibly devout woman. Daily she would go to the temple to pray to God. Her life was devoted to prayer and fasting. A prayer, as we said before, prayer is talking to God. Fasting, though, in the Bible, fasting is often an expression of grief. You fast when you're in mourning, when your heart is so overwhelmed with grief, you don't even want to eat and you actually choose not to. Many Jewish people would regularly fast. It was a ritual thing. They would do it maybe once a week because of the sadness they felt because of the state of their nation. Grief because they didn't have their own king on the throne. Mourning over the sin of their nation that had led to this situation. Uh, Prayer and fasting in the Bible is often linked to this big story of God's people, mourning the captivity and the oppression of God's people and praying for God to rescue and restore, begging God to fulfill his promises. Anna's life was devoted to that. That is why Anna fasts and prays. Anna is also called a prophet. A prophet is someone who speaks God's message, speaks God's truth. With the word prophet, uh, there's particularly this idea of God revealing truth to and through this person. Uh, It's intriguing that Anna is called a prophet. We're not told much about what this meant for her, except for what it meant on this day when Joseph, Mary and baby Jesus come to the temple. Because on this day, God revealed his truth to Anna, the truth that his promised one had been revealed, that he had arrived. Uh, This is how the Bible puts it. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Uh, On Sunday last week, we saw uh, Simeon take Jesus into his arms and he started praising God. And it seems that Simeon spoke to Mary and Joseph about the things that their life would would happen in their life because of Jesus. Anna seems to not necessarily talk to Mary or Joseph. Instead, she talks to the other devout people in the temple who, like her, were waiting for God's rescue and restoration. That's what those words, the redemption of Jerusalem means. That's the ones there in bold Uh, in the outline. Uh, Redemption means to buy something back. It's not a word we use all that often. The one time we talk about redemption these days is we redeem gift cards. I think the reason we use that word is because in your, your bit of plastic or the code of random letters and numbers that you get emailed to you if, like me, someone has really left their Christmas shopping late so they just buy your gift card on the internet today... But that thing, that code of numbers or letters or that bit of plastic kind of has value locked up in it, captured in that bit of plastic, in that gift card. And then we redeem that value by going to the store and we free that money up to do something useful with it, to buy the thing that we want. Anna 
sees Jesus and she sees redemption. She sees that God is completing his plan to redeem his people, to to buy them back their freedom. She knows that the wait is over. God is going to rescue and restore and buy freedom from oppression. So that's what Anna saw that day. But what does that mean and how does that impact us? Uh, Well, to answer this, uh, we're going to hear from another part of the Bible, a few sentences from a letter written many years after Jesus was born. And these sentences draw together the idea of waiting and of redemption and shows what it means for us. Uh, This letter is called Titus. It was written by the Apostle Paul and he's writing to an early Christian leader named Titus. Now, uh, due to time, we're just going to pick up this sentence halfway through. Uh, And this verse, and it's, it's written there in your bulletin, it says that like Anna, people who follow Jesus are also waiting, not for the birth of God's king, but for his return. This is what it says. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What are believers in Jesus waiting for? He calls it the blessed hope. Hope is what gets you out of the bed in the morning. It's the hope that there'll be something in that stocking at the end of your bed that gets you up at 4am on Christmas morning. What is the hope that Paul writes about, that the hope that the Bible's talking about here? Well, like for Anna, the hope is to see Jesus face to face. Jesus, who, as it says, is both God and Saviour. Now, this is the message of Christmas. Uh, One of the great words of Christmas is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, Emmanuel could simply mean God is with us in the sense that he's for us, that he's on our side. And it does mean that, but it means more than that. It means that Jesus is divine, true God of true God. The child that Mary and Joseph brought to the temple that day was unlike any other baby because he is God. The great God taking on and uniting himself to our humanity. That's what Titus says when he calls Jesus, sorry, that's what um, Titus says when Paul writes in this letter that Jesus is our great God and saviour. The creator coming into creation. Our maker made skin. And why did Jesus do this? He did this to be our saviour. And the sentence continues to explain how Jesus saves. It says, Jesus, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. How does Jesus save? He saves by redeeming, by paying the cost to free people from wickedness, for sin and the punishment sin deserves And the most beautiful bit of that sentence is is how it starts, isn't it? He gives himself to redeem his people. Uh, The price Jesus paid can't be put in your bank. It's himself. 
He, he takes on our humanity being born of Mary, his death on a cross, which we remember at Easter. This is what Jesus gave to pay the price for redemption. He, he took on our humanity. He lived the life we were meant to live, a life in perfect relationship with God the Father. And he died the death we deserve to die. And he did this to rescue and purify his people. Jesus became what we are so we might become what he is. Salvation, redemption came at a great cost to Jesus. But it's given freely to us. This is why Anna thanks God when she sees Jesus because the wait is over. Redemption and salvation has come. Uh, Friends, if you don't know this good news, uh, if you haven't found salvation and freedom in Jesus, can I invite you this Christmas, uh, on our welcome table, we've got a a couple of copies of uh, the biography of Jesus' life on the table. Uh, We'd love for you to take it. It's a free gift to you. Take it and read it. See for yourself who Jesus is, that he is our great God and Saviour. And if you already know Jesus then the good news of Christmas is, the good news we remember today is both that the wait is over and we're still waiting. The wait is over. God's redemption has come in Jesus, but we're still waiting. Just like you may be still waiting for the the parcel from online shopping to arrive, Christmas is a time of anticipation, looking forward to the appearing of our great God and Saviour when we get to see Jesus face to face. Now we're about to sing our final carol. Uh, It's a favourite, it's Joy to the World. And as the musos come up, my understanding is that Joy to the World was not written as a Christmas song. Uh, The first line is, Joy to the World, the Lord is come. Uh, The Lord has come. My understanding is it's actually not written about the coming in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, but it's about the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour. It's actually about Jesus coming again. But it's right that we sing it as a Christmas song because uh, the two events are really two parts of, of the one whole. The waiting and redemption that Anna praised God about is connected to our waiting and our redemption. And so as we sing Joy to the World, we're singing it kind of anticipating that day when we get to see the world transformed as Jesus returns and makes all things new.